This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. So, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, it's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, And then last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. The following episode may contain language that is not suitable for certain listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anacor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about the Deadpool cartoon that never saw the light of day, and then after that, we'll get into Google's launch night in, and then after that, we'll get into bias amongst gaming journalists and influencers, and without further ado, let's jump right into it. All right, so first up, we're going to talk about the Deadpool cartoon that never saw the light of day. So in 2017, Donald Glover, off of the success of Atlanta and off of the success of his recent music projects as Childish Gambino, he and his brother Steven had gone to Marvel and FX to get a cartoon made for Deadpool. And it was greenlit by FXX in 2017. And it was set to be titled Deadpool the Animated Series. And Zazie Bates was interested in reprising her role as Domino in the series. So that would have been pretty cool. And it was gonna be a unique take on Deadpool that just wasn't seen in the films. And the concept of a Deadpool cartoon made by the creator of Atlanta, I mean, that seemed really enticing to people at the time. But unfortunately, it didn't come to be. And the Deadpool cartoon was canceled in March of 2018. Now, FX cited creative differences as part of the reasoning for the cancellation. Like any show 
on network television or even streaming. It's up to the network to decide whether or not a show gets canceled. And FX cited creative differences as part of the reasoning for the cancellation. And the head of FX, John Landgraf, at the time, he had also said that he had liked it, but Marvel Television didn't. And that was the main reason why they couldn't go through with it. And at the time of the cancellation of the series, it should be noted that Marvel Television and FX were part of two separate companies. Marvel being part of Disney and FX being part of 21st Century Fox before Disney acquired 21st Century Fox in 2019. And so that acquisition could also have been a possible reason for the cancellation of this Deadpool cartoon because Marvel may not have wanted a Deadpool cartoon in the way that Don Glover and crew had made it. And maybe it didn't jive with them based on their creative ambitions. But there's also another key factor, and this came up especially while Don Glover had released the possible script of what would have been, I guess, a season finale of the Deadpool cartoon had it been made. And in that episode script, Deadpool goes through possible reasons that the show got canceled. And one of those was racism. And in my personal opinion, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility. And simply for two reasons. One, the now chairman of Marvel Entertainment, which is different from Marvel Studios that produces the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. That's basically the highest grossing movie franchise in the world right now. So Marvel Entertainment, the chairman, Ike Perlmutter, or Isaac Perlmutter, if you want to get his full name, he's a well-known racist. And I'm surprised that Disney hasn't gotten rid of him yet. But yeah, he's definitely a well-known racist person. He claimed a few years prior that no one would notice James Rhodes or War Machine actor from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle because black people quote-unquote look the same and this was back when the Iron Man movies were still being made. I think it was Iron Man 2 that they made that change from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle. So yeah, the fact that he said that proves that he's pretty racist. And also, I don't mean to get like very political, but he also donated to the Trump campaign and still does to this day. So take that as you will. And that's why Kevin Feige, the current president of Marvel Studios, wanted to split off Marvel Studios away from Marvel Entertainment's 
ownership so the movies like Black Panther and Captain Marvel could get made because so being the racist and I guess sexist as well that he is he didn't want those movies to be made and there's also the fact that Peter Shinkoda who was an actor on Daredevil an Asian actor on Daredevil he claimed that someone on the production team said that Nobody gives a shit about Asian people. Apparently that was a thought because there was a storyline behind one of the Asian characters in Daredevil that got shafted. So racism could very well play a part in why the Deadpool cartoon never saw the light of day. Or it could also be the creative differences that were mentioned earlier but yeah and i should also note that in 2019 marvel television the company that was previously working on this deadpool cartoon along with all of the marvel netflix shows like daredevil jessica jones luke cage the punisher and so on That was going to be put under Marvel Studios, which is under Kevin Feige's leadership. And so since Marvel Television is now under the leadership of someone who isn't racist, a.k.a. Kevin Feige, instead of someone who is racist, like Ike Perlmutter, maybe... Just maybe there could be a chance that this Deadpool cartoon could come back. And I think that Disney should definitely pursue this Deadpool cartoon or at least try and revive it because the COVID-19 pandemic has shown that people want animated content, especially adults. I mean, we've seen that with the successes of shows like Harley Quinn, The Midnight Gospel, and so many adult cartoons have come out either slightly before or during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I do hope that Disney reconsiders this Deadpool cartoon, especially now that Marvel Studios, which owns Marvel Television now, and FX are both part of Disney, I'm hoping that they can at least try and work together again. And also because some of the people who may have been roadblocks in getting this Deadpool cartoon made the first time may now be gone due to the reorganization of Disney at the end of 2019. But yeah, that's going to do it. Let me know what you think of the Deadpool cartoon. Do you think that it should have been made? Do you think that the Deadpool cartoon shouldn't be made? Do you think that there's a chance that Disney could revisit this idea? Do you think that Kevin Feige and the powers that be at Marvel would be interested in reviving this cartoon? Do you think that Donald Glover would be interested in reviving this cartoon? Let me know your thoughts on social media or on Discord. 
I'll have links in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're listening on. And we can continue the discussion there. But yeah, that's going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be talking about Google's launch night in. And then after that, we'll get into bias amongst gaming journalists and influencers. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Did you know that we now have a merch store? It's true. In partnership with Bonfire, we've launched the Cells and Circuits shop where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. So hit the link in the show notes to visit the Cells and Circuits shop and start getting your merch today. It really does help out the show. Thanks for your support. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, and now it's time to get into Google's launch night in. So, on September 30th, almost two weeks ago from the time of this recording, and they revealed a bunch of new products. And so, I'm going to talk about them right now. Sorry, Renee Ritchie, I I just had to steal your intro. So let's get into the Nest Audio. So the Nest Audio is the sequel to the first Google Home device that launched in 2016. It starts at $99 US and it's pretty much an improvement over the 2016 Google Home in every way or at least that's what it seems like in terms of audio and in terms of features like you can pair two of them together to fill a room with a stereo sound and it looks like it'll be a pretty decent speaker i'm probably not going to get one because i already have way too many google assistant aware speakers in my apartment and my girlfriend will probably get mad at me if i were to install another one so i'm not going to do that But yeah, Nest Audio seems like it would be a pretty good deal for some people. It's definitely $30 cheaper than the price of the original Google Home at launch, which was $129 US. But yeah, Nest Audio, it exists now. (laughs) So, you know, if it... If you want to get one, you can do so at the links that I will provide in the show notes right below that follow or subscribe button, depending on which platform you're on. And I'll have affiliate links for everything that I mention in this segment, which really help out the show. So yeah, next up is the Chromecast with Google TV. And this one was the one that I was the most excited about. And we'll get to why in a moment. But first up for the Chromecast with Google TV, it now runs Android TV with a Google TV skin on top. And it's supposed to be this interface that compiles all the data from the streaming services that you subscribe to already and tries to predict what 
you'll watch next or tries to suggest to you what to watch next. And it's a bit different from the current Android TV or the, I guess, stock Android TV interface where you just add rows and rows from different apps. You get rows of content from different apps that you have to add yourself. So... Yeah, I think the interface looked nice, and because the new Chromecast now has Android TV as its operating system, it also now comes with a remote. And so it's a pretty standard remote. It has YouTube and Netflix buttons, and it also has an IR blaster. So you can power on and off your TV. Um, You can switch inputs on your TV and you can change the volume on either your TV or soundbar or whatever sound system that you have provided it supports IR input. So yeah, it's, I mean, at $49 US, the Chromecast with Google TV would be a go-to recommendation for me, for people who are looking to get a streaming dongle or people who even subscribe to HBO Max and have a Roku or an Amazon Fire TV and are looking to jump ship. Those people, I would recommend the Chromecast with Google TV to as well. And I should also mention that there's an optional Ethernet adapter for the Chromecast with Google TV for an additional $20 US, bringing the price of the Chromecast with Google TV and the Ethernet adapter to $69 nice so yeah so it brings that price right in line with the outgoing chromecast ultra which google will no longer sell on their online store unless you get it in a bundle with the stadia controller which is called the stadia premiere edition which sells for $99 US at the time of this recording. And any remaining stock that they have of it will probably run out. And yeah, but one type of user that I wouldn't recommend the Chromecast with Google TV to is Stadia users, at least not yet. And that's because Stadia support didn't come with the Chromecast with Google TV at launch. And that's a shame. It sucks. Yeah, it's a head scratcher move. Yeah, it sucks. But why would they not launch this Chromecast with Google TV with Stadia support on it? And the simple answer to that is it's just not ready. If you sideload Stadia onto Android TV right now, like I've done with my NVIDIA Shield, you'll know it's not ready. I'm sure Google is behind the scenes making an Android TV app for Stadia right now. And we will get Stadia for Android TV and the Chromecast with Google TV when it's ready. And that's perfectly fine. I ordered two Chromecasts with Google TVs, just one to have in the bedroom and the other one be in the living room once Stadia support is ready. Because I currently have a Chromecast Ultra in 
the living room, but I use that heavily with Google Stadia. So once Stadia is supported, then I will put that Chromecast with Google TV in the living room to replace the Chromecast Ultra that's currently in there. So yeah, that's it for the Chromecast with Google TV. But now let's get into the coup de gras, the biggest news from the launch night in. And that's of course the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5. So you may think that both of these phones are very similar. And actually you'd be right about that. Both of those phones are very similar. And so let's go over the specs and the features of both phones. So for the Pixel 4a 5G, you have a 6.2 inch full HD plus OLED display. And on the Pixel 5, you have a six inch full HD plus OLED 90 Hertz display. So for the 4A 5G, you do get the bigger screen, but you don't get the 90 Hertz. And so on the Pixel 5, yeah, you do have a smaller screen, but you at least get the 90 Hertz. And so that makes things look smoother when you're scrolling or when you're gaming. And yeah, it just makes the phone feel faster. Even if it isn't actually faster, it makes it feel faster. The Pixel 4a 5G has a headphone jack while the Pixel 5 does not. The Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5 both have the same processor, which is the Snapdragon 765G from Qualcomm. So it's not an 800 series processor, at least in the Pixel 5's case. So this is the first flagship Pixel to not have a top-end Qualcomm processor. And that's because the top-end processors have been driving phone prices upward of $1,000, as we've seen with the Samsung Galaxy S20 and Note 20 and other phones as well. So yeah, it's understandable why Google wouldn't go that route. So yeah, the Pixel 4a 5G has six gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage, while the Pixel 5 has eight gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage. I do wish that the Pixel 5 came in higher storage options like 256 gigs and 512 gigs, but we don't get those options. So it is what it is. 128 gigs should be enough for most people, especially if you're getting a Pixel device. So there's that. And the Pixel 4a 5G, despite having a bigger frame, has a smaller battery at 3,885 milliamp hours. Whereas the Pixel 5 in the smaller body has a bigger battery at 4,080 milliamp hours. So jumping up from the Pixel 4, that's going to be a huge difference in battery life, or that should be a huge difference in battery life. And so I'm glad to see Google actually putting in um, a bigger battery in their phones. 
so I or I hope that they keep that up with future pixels not just the flagship pixels but the pixel a line I hope that they just put bigger batteries in because right now I have a pixel 3 and the battery life at the time that I got this phone wasn't that great and it's only gotten worse in the year and a half that I've owned this phone so I do plan on upgrading to the pixel 5 once that comes out and to be honest, I'll probably wait for Black Friday to get a sale on it because let's be real here. You probably shouldn't get a Pixel at launch and pay full price for it, which speaking of the price, I should probably mention the price of the Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4a 5G. So the Pixel 5 comes in at $699 US and the Pixel 4a 5G comes in at $499 US. Oh, and I should also mention that the Pixel 5 has wireless charging and reverse wireless charging. So you can put your Pixel on a wireless charging pad if you have one, or also you can lay something like your Pixel Buds if you have them, or any wireless charging earbuds on top of the back of your phone, and it'll wirelessly charge that device. Oh, it'll probably hurt your battery's health, and which will degrade the battery long term, so. I've kind of moved away from wireless charging, but it is a feature that's nice to have, especially if you're in a pinch. But yeah, I do plan on getting the Pixel 5 and the colors are just black for both the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5 and sort of sage for just the Pixel 5. No sort of sage for the Pixel 4a 5G, which if you're planning on getting the Pixel 4a 5G, that does suck, but you can probably skin it to look like you got a sort of sage version of that phone. So it is what it is. So yeah, so that's it for the specs and the colors, but now let's get into the features of these phones and some incoming features that I thought were pretty cool were hold for me which allows you to basically skip the elevator music when you're put on hold and you can do something else in that time. I don't know what you would do. Maybe you could check your emails or something like that, but you can do all of that while you're put on hold and Google Assistant will alert you when it's time to return to the call and someone's actually picked up the phone and is ready to talk to you. So that's a very nice feature. It's a very nice time-saving feature. And Google is really good at building features that save people time. And so that's really nice to see. And then there's also cinematic panning. And that gives videos smooth panning inspired by Hollywood movies. And that's all done through software. So that would be pretty interesting to test out whenever the world goes back to some sense of normal. And the Pixel phones now have night sight in portrait mode, 
So that's nice to see. So basically, if you're taking a picture in the dark, you could also have that picture be a portrait picture, meaning you could focus in on the subject and blur the background. And another camera feature that Google is adding to the Pixel phones is portrait lighting. And that allows you to adjust the light that's shown in picture after you've already taken it. Maybe there's like a shadow in front of your face or something like that. Or maybe there's just not very great lighting and that can really cause problems for the picture that you're taking. So Google just developed a way to adjust the light and you could add light in that particular picture over whatever shadow or whatever else is causing the picture to not look the way you want it. So I think that's pretty awesome. So yeah, those are some pretty good features that Google's adding to the Pixel line of phones. And though Google giveth, Google also taketh away. And on that note, I should mention that there are some outgoing features from the Pixel line. The first is Motion Sense, and that was introduced in the Pixel 4 line of phones, where you could wave to do certain actions on the phone, like you could skip tracks in music, or you could hang up a phone call, or you could silence an alarm from it. It was a pretty cool feature in theory, but in practice, it wasn't really that useful for some people. And I will say that the motion sense also detected presence. So the phone would sense that you were nearby thanks to the radar that was in the phone and it would prep the face unlock sensors to get ready to unlock the phone. So that's the next feature that I should mention that is outgoing from the Pixel line. And that's face unlock. And that's because all of the sensors are gone because both the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5, they both have punch hole cameras for their displays, which I forgot to mention earlier, instead of having a big old bezel on top to house all of those face unlock sensors and the motion sense sensors. So yeah, face unlock is gone, which I mean, considering the time that we're living in, that's probably for the best that face unlock left the pixel line. Maybe they'll bring it back once the world goes back to some sense of normal. But for now, they reverted back to the fingerprint sensor, which is tried and true on phones. So that's at least good to see. At least we have some sort of biometric authentication and rear fingerprint sensors are more reliable than in-display fingerprint sensors. So I'm glad that Google didn't go with the in-display fingerprint sensor. But yeah, face unlock is gone. Rest in peace to that. And last up is the squeeze for Google Assistant. And that is a feature that I regularly use on my Pixel 3. 
that's where you can squeeze the bottom half of the phone in order to trigger Google Assistant without saying HG. Sorry, I didn't want to trigger my Google speakers that are surrounding my apartment. So yeah, the squeeze for Google Assistant is a feature that I'm definitely going to miss when I upgrade to the Pixel 5 because that's a feature that just allows me to trigger the Google Assistant without having to say anything. So that is very disappointing, but oh well, like I said, Google giveth and Google taketh away. So yeah, that's it for the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5. And that also is the end of this segment. Let me know what you thought of Google's launch night in. Which products are you most excited for? Which products will you be getting? And what do you think of them? I want to know your thoughts on social media or on Discord. We can continue the conversation there. And yeah, that is going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll get into bias amongst gaming journalists and influencers. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Want to support the show without having to buy any merch? Well, you can do that by buying us a coffee. All it takes is just one U.S. dollar to help support the show. So click the link in the show notes or go to ko-fi.com slash Cells and Circuits to help make the Cells and Circuits podcast a better show for you. Are you a small business looking for a financial platform to do business on? Check out Payment, the first black-owned financial platform where you can do things like sending invoices, accepting payments, and more features will be added in the future. If you watch Trigger Warning with Killer Mike on Netflix, you know that money stays within the black community for an average of six hours compared to the days and sometimes weeks that other communities get. So if you want to bring or keep money in the black community, join payment. That's P-E-Y-M-Y-N-T at the affiliate link in the show notes today. Welcome back, and now it's time to talk about bias amongst gaming journalists and influencers. So, the topic that sparked this conversation was that Google, during their launch night in event, had mentioned that Stadia support would not be launching with the Chromecast with Google TV that I had mentioned in the previous segment of this episode and that Google Stadia support would not be launching until sometime within the first half of 2021. And I said, that's fine, that the Android TV app wasn't ready. That's okay. But clearly, a lot of gaming journalists and influencers don't think so, and they're spewing narratives like, Oh, Google didn't have Stadia at launch on the Chromecast with Google TV, so they must not care about Stadia anymore. 
And that logic is just so flawed. And I'm going to explain why it's flawed. The first reason why it's flawed was because they got Dashi, who is one of the most popular gaming influencers on the internet. They got him to do a promo for Immortals Phoenix Rising, which I'll get to later, playing on Stadia on the Google Pixel 4a 5G. And Stadia is something that Google wanted to highlight because they now have 5G phones out there in the wild. Because Stadia is a service that Google owns that benefits directly from the 5G speeds that are on Google's newest phones, the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5. So, of course, they would highlight Stadia as one of the marquee features of that phone. Of course. And another reason why is Google Stadia keeps adding features. We just got Crowd Choice with Dead by Daylight on October 1st and a few days later with Baldur's Gate 3. And we also got something called tandem mode which allows the google stadia controller to be hooked up with a different controller like the xbox one controller or the ps4 dualshock controller or the xbox adaptive controller and that's the important part because that enables people with disabilities to play games on Stadia so it's more accessible to people so me personally I think making the game more accessible to disabled individuals is way more important than having Google Stadia on a streaming device it's way more important that people with physical disabilities are able to play games on Stadia via the Xbox adaptive controller. So yeah, and also if Google didn't care about the platform, we wouldn't be getting games for it. We're still getting games for it. Like, for example, like we're getting Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we're getting Scott Pilgrim, we're getting Immortals Phoenix Rising, which has an exclusive demo. Let's not forget that. An exclusive demo coming to Google Stadia. And we're also getting things like Uplay Plus, which allows people to play their favorite Ubisoft games for an additional price. So we're still getting that on Stadia as well. So the gaming journalists and influencers can miss me with that. Google doesn't care about Stadia anymore bullshit narrative that they're spewing because, yeah, it's it's bullshit. <laughs> it is. Um, another thing that I want to point out is that these narratives lack consistency. And what I mean by that is you didn't see the same sort of criticism that Google Stadia is continuously getting when xCloud or Microsoft's cloud gaming solution that launched with Game Pass Ultimate back in September it didn't come onto Windows day and date with Android. And, and you don't see articles and YouTube videos saying, oh, Microsoft doesn't care about 
cloud gaming or doesn't care about X cloud. And it shows a level of bias within the gaming journalists and influencer community. And the thing that boggles my mind is that Microsoft has owned both the Windows and the Xbox platforms for decades, not just years, decades. So if anything, they should be getting even more criticism than Google is, at least with Google. They've only been in the gaming industry for almost a year. Whereas Microsoft has been in the gaming industry for close to 20 years now, or even longer than that, if you count PC games. So it boggles my mind because Microsoft also launched new computers, the Surface Laptop Go, and those laptops are specifically trying to aim at the Pixelbook Go from Google. And so I would be asking the question, why isn't cloud gaming from Xbox Game Pass on this laptop? Like, why can't I use it on this laptop? I'm currently recording from a Surface Laptop 3, and I can't use cloud streaming on Game Pass on this computer. So it's like, <laughs> like, and that didn't bother you? Like, that didn't bother you, journalists and influencers? Because that was the first thing that popped up on my mind. Y'all went after Google at launch for the Chromecast with Google TV. Like, keep that same energy for Microsoft, is all I'm saying. All of those people were the first to criticize when Google didn't launch Stadia on the Chromecast with Google TV, but had nothing to say when Microsoft didn't launch xCloud on Windows PCs. Oh, and before anyone tries to make a rebuttal saying, oh, well, what about the Google graveyard? Well. Skype for Business and Mixer have entered the chat, is all I'm going to say to that. I should say to all of these gaming journalists and influencers, and even the ones that have done similar things, from one content creator to another, I should say, I'm very disappointed in all of you. Just like, how hard is it to be consistent? And how hard is it to keep the same energy for Microsoft that you do for Google? Like, how hard is that? Like, it shouldn't be that hard. And like Deadpool, when that Deadpool cartoon was canceled, I'm trying to contemplate reasons why these gaming journalists and influencers who reach large audiences are so inconsistent with their work. Is it because they don't want to fuck up their chance of getting early access to the Xbox Series X to not miss out on that sweet, sweet YouTube ad revenue? Or is it because maybe they just have like some kind of anti-Google agenda? Or is it because they're so hell-bent on keeping the status quo? Or maybe it's that posting something that's anti-Google gets the most clicks. 
I don't know why these gaming journalists and influencers are being very inconsistent with the way that they're giving out their news and churning out their content to people because honestly it's disgusting seeing this inconsistency happen in real time and we don't have to go very far to see it and so don't believe me just pause the podcast and go and research this for yourself look at all of the articles that have been written and all of the YouTube videos that have been published about Google not including the Stadia app on the Chromecast with Google TV uh, versus all of the zero articles that are out there about Microsoft not including Xbox Game Pass cloud streaming on Windows. Oh, and I should also mention that there's probably going going to be the same lack of criticism when xCloud doesn't launch on Xbox consoles at the next gen launch for the Series X and Series S because the Series S especially like has a limited amount of storage so it would be great if you could do cloud gaming on that console but it's not going to launch on there but people are going to be fine with that somehow But yet Google can launch a Chromecast with Google TV and not have Stadia ready at its launch. And they get all of the slings and arrows from the gaming journalists and influencers. Like, I just I just don't get it. It's fucking disgusting. Honestly, like I said in episode 14 of this podcast, do better gaming community do better gaming journalists and influencers and be more consistent that's the message that i have to you like i'm disappointed in you and i hope that you can be more consistent and do better in the future but yeah that's it i just wanted to vent my frustrations out to the gaming journalists and influencer community. And yeah, let me know what you think of the bias amongst the gaming journalists and influencers. Do you think I'm overreacting? Do you think that my complaints are justified? Or do you also have other thoughts? Let me know on social media or on Discord. I'll have links in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're on. And yeah, that is going to do it for this topic. Sandra Bland, Terrence Crutcher, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, Mike Brown, Alton Sterling, Ahmad Arbery, Walter Scott, Brianna Taylor, Eric Harris, George Floyd, Tony Robinson, Keith Childress, Romaine Brisbane, Betty Jones, Tamir Rice, Kevin Matthews, Laquan McDonald, Michael Noel, Michael Brown Jr., Roy Nelson, Eric Garner. 
these are just some of the names of people who have been murdered by police and have gotten either a slap on the wrist or have gotten away with committing such a heinous crime scot-free. If you are an American, or even if you're not an American, you should be outraged by this, as I am. This cannot continue to happen, and it speaks to a very long history of racism and police brutality here in the United States of America, and also in other countries as well. Police brutality is not a U.S. exclusive problem. It's happening around the globe. So, how can you help stop this? Well, you can go and protest, but be very peaceful about it, of course. And if you don't want to go to the protests, that's fine. You can also donate to many different charities that are helping with the cause. If you can't do that, you can also sign petitions to help the cause as well and share those petitions. And for all of these suggestions that I've made, you can do all of them and encourage your friends and family to do the same because Staying silent is staying complicit, and we cannot stay complicit any longer. This change needs to happen now. And so, I just want to leave you with this message. Black lives matter, always and forever. All lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Remember that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cells and Circuits podcast. Remember to wear a mask, wash your hands, and practice social distancing as much as possible. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, I'll have a link in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're on. And that's it. Our intro and outro music is made by Tiffy3. I'm Chibeze Anakor, signing off. <laughs>